Welcome or welcome back to Go Produce My Crew. My name is Big Lou, and this is the podcast and YouTube channel that explores how music industry professionals turn their passions into profit. We are on a massive mission to bring clarity to the music industry, and our goal is to help 1 million music industry professionals live off of their passion. I'm laying down the foundation that I need in order to thrive in the music industry, and I want to help you do the same. This episode is brought to you by thecharts.com. If you're a producer or beat maker looking to build your beat commerce business in less time, thecharts.com can help. With an easy-to-use, mobile-friendly interface and built-in marketing tools, thecharts.com will help you grow your brand, build your fan base, and scale your income. Sign up for free and start selling your beats and instrumentals today on thecharts.com. Today's theme is what happens when you connect artists and influencers to promote music across the entire internet. It's Breaker. Let's go. All right, go produce. We have co-founder and CEO Tony Brown of Music Breaker. This is a two-sided marketplace that connects artists and influencers to promote music across the entire internet. Yes, that includes Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and so on. Prior to launching Breaker, Anthony has over 10 years of experience building long-term investment relationships with wealthy family offices, executives, influencers, and institutional investors. He is one-third, one-fourth of the team that is Music Breaker. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. I want you to know that we do appreciate your time. We've wasted enough as it is, so let's go ahead and make the most of it and go produce. Absolutely. All right, all right. So our first segment of the show is The Basics. You know, we got to appreciate music. We got to make the most of it. <laughs> hey, hey. All right, all right. Tony, my first question that I always like to start this segment with is, what is your first musical memory? Man, uh, I loved Joe's album, All That I Am, when I was in fourth grade, dude. It was like one of those moments where I realized I was more of an R&B guy. My brother, uh, you know, he was more of like a Wu-Tang, kind of Mob Deep, Biggie type of guy. But like, that album came out and it just kind of hit me and I was just like, damn, like this is a special album. So I would, uh, I would say that that kind of like really stamped love for R&B. So yeah, Joe's, Joe's album, fourth grade. Huh. I, uh, I'm going to have to check out that album a little further, but a couple follow-up questions from here. Did this influence your trajectory in further life? Yeah, I think it's like, I've always been more of a lover than a player. You know what I mean? And so, like, it definitely affected my my romantic life, for sure. Um, you know, so Joe, if, if you guys remember, man, like, that, like he was definitely a player, but he definitely was a lover. And I feel like that kind of, like, led towards Usher, and then it led towards, like, Chris Brown, and then it led towards Drake. So, like, my whole trajectory has always been at that intersection of the type of music that Drake, Chris Brown, Usher, you know, Joe, that, that kind of genre. Um, and then I think, you know, the 90s was just a special time, like Andre Harrell and everything that he was doing, um, you know, at Uptown Records, that type of music really kind of resonated with me. So like Mary J. Blige, Babyface, like that, that's always been my thing, like, like the either like party R&B or romantic R&B. And I love how Drake kind of came into the game and kind of like became like a trifecta, right? He brought it all together because then he combined the rap elements. It's not that I don't like rap. Dude, a biggie pop like everything my deep like I, I i love that era i was from nas is my favorite rapper like you know what i'm saying but like 
Drake really came and took both of the worlds and brought it all together. Um, but I will say that I am an R&B first music listener. Um, and I love how people can take that bass and then go expand out into different genres. So like so Calypso and like all of the stuff that's kind of come out of the Caribbean and the Afro diaspora. I love that stuff because it still has R&B kind of elements of it. So Davido is a big, I'm a big fan of Davido. Um, but yeah, that, that, that is always going to be my type of music. And I would say that all stems back to like Joe. Joe is my first memory of like, yo, this shit is lit. Like I love R&B. I don't know what it is. It just does something to me. That's wild. That's super cool. That's super cool. And it's, I mean, I could I can go on so many tangents here with how you approach that. But um, I want to also dive in a little bit more, a little bit on how your relationship with your brother may have influenced this as well. Yeah, I mean, like, mirrors. it's funny, like, even in business, we're, I do all the business stuff for Breaker. He's the technologist and inventor. He's the disruptor. I'm the stabilizer. Uh, he's the yin to my yang. And so, like, as much as I'm, like, I'm a hard head, kind of like R&B music head, my brother is absolutely a hip hop head. Like, like if you sat down and just walked him through the 90s, he'd be like, yo, remember when this came out, Noriega? Like he go, he's like, goes deep into it, the psychology of it, it affects his thought process. Um, and to think that, you know, we just, we always have balanced each other out, even in our preferences, you know what I'm saying? Um, cool. And so like, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, Amir, Amir, he's the opposite side of me. You, you know? got that genuine. It's like Coco and Bree. It's like, yeah, it's like Coco and Breezy. You don't think about Coco without Breezy. Like, that's how kind of like me and me are. It's like, you don't think of Tony without him. You know what I mean? There you go. There you go. It's beautiful. All right. So throughout your whole experience as an industry person, I mean, working within, I'd say pretty much entrepreneurship for the most of your time. Um, yeah. What would you say your first lesson within this whole industry was? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's all about relationships, you know, like people, people got to understand that it takes a long time to build a like reputation and you can lose that shit overnight. And I think that the biggest thing that, um, you know, I think that's differentiated me in my career is like, I've always invested in people. You know what I mean? Like we're about to close out a major round of financing, seven figures, you know what I'm saying? That we're about to bring inside of this company to really take it to the next level. And I look at the cap table and I can literally unpack all of those relationships back towards other relationships and other relationships and other relationships. And it was all integrity based character stuff that led to this specific moment in time. And it's like, I think that is a natural transition towards like, you have to invest into people when you don't need anything from them. Right. And that's when you're supposed to lean in and be the best version of yourself is when you don't need anything in return, when it's not transactional, when it's purely energetic. And I think the universe has like an amazing way of like rewarding you over time through karmic energy in terms of like, people pouring back into you when your moment comes. And I think that the last thing is just like being patient. I never tried to force it in my career. And there are moments where I, you know, like, damn, like, why haven't I got my hit yet? I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm so talented. Like, I believe all these things about myself, but it takes time. You know what I'm saying? The the the, the road to success is a, is a thousand miles. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have to put your time and energy in. And I think it's like, the last thing is like, when you are, and J. Cole kind of hit on this in his last album, it's like, when you see yourself, you know what I'm saying, not progressing at the speed that you want to, you got to put work into your craft. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to be an expert at that shit. You got to, Nipsey talked about that. Like, you really got to put the work in, you know what I'm saying? And Nipsey did every single component of his album, you know what I'm saying? Plus the business side. So by the time labels came to him, he was like, yeah, I'm a whole operation. And then the last thing I'll say is just don't quit. And, like, you know, I'm always going to show homage to, to Nipsey, man. And I think, 
one of his quotes because he, he, we can get into that album like to kind of just talk about what my inspiration is over the past year few years in breakdown nipsey has had a profound impact on my life and it's like he said look there's no i'm not gonna portray like i've had it all figured out the only distinguishing quality between me and anyone trying to do this is that i just didn't quit he's like i experienced every range of emotions and the only thing between me and someone who's trying to do this is that i didn't quit that's it and he was like, you got to have this stance. Are you willing to die for this shit? And like, yo, like literally Nipsey personified that, you know what I'm saying? In terms of not quitting. And I think that when people are thinking about career, it's craftsmanship. It's not quitting. It's doing what you say you're going to do. Being a man of your word and like a woman of your word and like following up. Like, don't take anything on. And Gucci said this the other day. He was like, don't take anything on that you can't do. You know what I'm saying? That's a very simple principle to do. So when you start to to add all of that stuff up, not quitting, being a man in your word, building real relationships, it all culminates into these moments in life where like, you know, you, you, you start to do things that seem crazy. Like, how did you do that? Like, and it's, it's literally the culmination of all these micro events. And like, I think that the more that people understand that, the more that people will be able to see the things that they want in their head come to fruition because it's literally all possible. It's up to you. It is totally possible. It's totally possible. Thank you for sharing that so beautifully. As you were saying all of that, there are so many points that you that you shared. I was like, how am I going to remember this? And mm-hmm. I came up with a little acronym. It's PWR, power. So you got persistence, you got work, and you've got relationships. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like maintain that. Maintain all of those. And then, I mean, nothing can really stop you. That's that's the power no, within. That's real. That's real. Um, so That's I, I like real. that. Thank you for sharing that. Very. He cool. didn't come up yeah. with that. He he wrote it down like three hours ago. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> here he yeah, is. Here he is. That's funny. All right. Okay. So, what has been one of your greatest challenges that you face with your experience at Breaker outside of COVID? Although COVID may have been something beneficial as well, we could talk about that a little bit later. COVID helped my business tremendously. Like originally Breaker was going to go straight to the clubs, you know, so we were a two-sided marketplace connecting DJs and artists to promote music. We're like, man, like that doesn't exist and it should exist. Like those pipes should be connected. And a lot of the foundational elements of the workflow on the product side came from how do you get a song into a DJ set? And then the pandemic hit and we own the patents for that, by the way. And then the pandemic hit and we were like, shit. Oh God, we went so deep on this. And then that was the first time that we had to pivot. But then when we looked up, like verses came out and like that exploded. DJs were starting to do sets on Twitch. Everyone became clear that like there's no other way to promote music right now other than influencers. And so it kind of like opened up a window for us to show the world that there was a market here. And then I think that, you know, that that's what really kind of set us up. So the pandemic was good to us. Obviously, I lost my grandmother and my grandfather to the pandemic. So it was all, you know, like you get you you get the biggest business opportunity of your life, but that literally came at a cost to me. So My I can go back out. No, nah, it's all good. But like you have a vision in your head saying you believe that like this thing needs to exist in the world. You got to go convince motherfuckers to go do it. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, we've convinced 42,000 people that, you know, this is something that they should do. And like, that's, that's amazing. But now it's like, how do you turn them into a smooth community that builds on itself, that's organic? How do you build a product that constantly pulls them back in and adds value to them? And like, it's not just a one shot transaction. And like, it's the psychology of users that I think 
you know, a lot of times in the African American community, we just don't have the, the capital to go get the psychology. Like those dudes out in Silicon Valley have figured out the psychology of users. And they they're like, oh, I don't need, yeah, I, well, yeah. And they're like, we don't, and we, we would never manipulate it for negative. Like it would always be to bring people back to add more value. But like, just what I'm saying is like, you got, that takes capital, you know? And it takes money to be able to hire the people who know how to do those things at elite in elite ways. And I think that was the challenge for the first five months of like trying to deliver this experience to people on a like on a on a shoestring budget. You know what I mean? And that's when I went to investors with all this data, and I was like, "Look, like if I did this with four hundred thousand dollars, what do you think I would do with four million dollars?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so you know, and that's where we're at with it. So you know, the challenge is just capital. And, and, and by the way, that like hip hop was born with no capital. You know what I'm saying? Hip hop, the innovation of hip hop absolutely came from us just being scrappy. You know, these DJs doing the beat breaks and finding like innovative ways to play with old songs and sample like, like dude stealing like DJ tables like during blackouts, like, like hip hop was born of scarcity. And then it created abundance. And so like Breaker was born of technological scarcity, but the culture and the energy and the vision and the vision that we painted to these users is what created Breaker. You know what I'm saying? And like now, like now, it, now it's here and like it's, it's of the culture, by the culture, it's for the culture. And by the way, half of our users are white, <laughs> you know? And so like, you know, users, you, you know, people got to understand that like culture isn't a black or a Spanish thing. It actually is just a way of life and it's driven by us and it comes from us, but we influence everybody. You know what I'm saying? And like Breaker has a wide open door policy. If you go look at the hashtag music breaker on TikTok, you will see tons of white content, white artists. And like, we love that, man. That means that like the future of consumer products actually doesn't have to be either or. They We're proving that they actually can coexist together. And like in the perfect version of Breaker, we become of what the world could be right in terms of multiracial coalitions coming together sharing in art sharing in the love of music the love of commerce and trends ideas connecting like man like forcing people who may have never interacted with each other to interact we have a kid in seattle charlie on a friday who's interacting with influencers from around the world and like there's a messaging portal in breaker and they're like figuring out the creative ways to break his song from seattle like, that's crazy. Like, we created that out of nowhere. All right. The next segment is called The Speed Round. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I've got 20 questions, and you have to answer them with one word. I will be asking you them in rapid Ooh, succession, okay? And uh, Well, just do your best, essentially. <laughs> All right. Cool. We'll block out the bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Would you go to the moon? Yes. Breaker is a two-sided marketplace that connects artists and influencers to promote music across the entire internet. Yes. Where is your next vacation spot? Miami. Do you have any nicknames? Tony. Do you have an affinity for hosting parties? T-E? T-B. T-B. Do you have an affinity for hosting parties? Yes. What's your favorite time of day? Mamba time in the morning. What... What is your favorite animal or plant? Ah, uh, lion. Are you the genius behind Breaker? No. Where is your favorite place in the world? Antigua. Do you prefer breakfast or dinner? 
dinner. At the end of the day, you want a nice big glass of? Classe Azul. Ooh, nice. <laughs> you, sir, are a kidney donor. Yes. What's your favorite snack? Jesus. Jesus. Who is an artist that you currently <laughs> find the most exciting? Ooh, Charlie on a Friday. Do you consider Breaker to be a Trojan horse? Damn you. <laughs> what is your favorite music genre? <sighs> R&B. Do you prefer to read or watch movies or TV shows? Uh, I like to read. How many years have you been at this for? Uh, 11. All right. We made it through, good sir. We made it through. Damn. That was... <laughs> it, yes, it's absolutely a Trojan horse. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, so let's expand on that a little bit, if you don't mind. We can justify now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, it's like there are millions of artists in the world that want to be able to get their music out, right? And then there's like millions of influencers who want to get paid to do anything that's connected to their influence. If you scale that over time in and of itself, that ecosystem can produce so much cash, but then you can start to focus your energy on other things, right? Um, I don't know what those things are and I don't even have to get into it, but I do know that it will create a very, very strong base to really do whatever we want to do in music and, and, and you know, technology and brand world and, you know, experiential festivals. Like I can see Breaker being everything you know, and almost be ubiquitous with like that intersection of music and culture. And, and you know, if you think about what drives commerce, it's music. So, you know. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. We are done with the speed round. <laughs> Our next segment is called, What's Your Take? Hey. hey. Okay, okay. So we're going to present you with different statements or scenarios. And we really just want your perspective. Let's do it. Let's do it. What's your take on charitable work? I don't know who said the quote, but like the greatest act a human could do is to inspire. And I think that like, and, and I would add on to that and say it's the impact of life, you know? And so for me, it's like, if I can go, like I, when you reached out, like I was like, oh, this is dope. Like I can like say some good things and like be able to help impact the life. That goes all the way down to that guy on the street who's hungry tonight, you know what I'm saying? And everything in between. And I, like, I went and studied policy, actually, at UC Berkeley um, before I started Breaker. And man, like, there's so many things that I want to do with the systems in this, in this society, whether it's poverty alleviation, whether it's climate, whether it's, you know, really thinking about, like, the, like the prison reform, thinking about the, uh, the road to jail. Like, like, these education systems are really designed to, like, really be a feeding mechanism almost to these private prisons. And, like, there's so many things that I think I our society can like really bear tackle with just like common sense solutions. And I think charity is like this underbelly that gives you the ability to take capital from people who really don't need it to redistribute it back to, you know, people who do. And I think that as a mechanism is beautiful. Um, and I thought, you know, man, like you can get very innovative with philanthropic capital. You can use philanthropic capital to into companies and then use that return to then give it out to other people. Like there's so many ways that you can get creative with um, capitalism and socialism, not socialism, but just like social charity, you know? So I'm a big proponent of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. The quote is from Nipsey Hussle. There you go. With the, with the, the greatest human act is to inspire. 
Yes. There you go. Awesome. I, I, he, he, he's, I, that's why I don't know. I forgot who said it. I, listen, I, you guys have to know that Nipsey Hussle has fundamentally altered my psychology in, in a real way. And like, he like literally has hieroglyphics in the in, coded into the music that literally is source code. And like, if, if, if people have any level of progressive kind of like desires in their life to be more than what they are, you have to go listen to that album. You just have to, because he's just, he's, and he's delivering it in a way that, that can resonate with people. I'm saying he's delivering in a way that you can understand. And like, he's one of the most special spirits ever to live, man. So, you know, I'm not surprised that he said that. No, absolutely. The utmost respect for him. Absolutely. What's your take on black owned businesses? It's critical to the future of our community. And I feel like, um, we need to understand capitalism a little bit better and we need to have more access to capital and we have to, we have to understand technology better too. We need to take STEM serious. We need to be taking those classes. We need to be learning how to engineer. We need to learn technical process because what we have as a community, no one can take from us, which is creativity. Right. And our creativity is what our unique differentiator has always been. We are of spiritual backgrounds that are just special our black energy brown energy melanated energy is just it's like it's just special you know what i'm saying every community has that but what 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 other communities have like dude like the the, the they have 30 40 50 60 years of technical know-how that like is just it will take a whole generation to catch up to them on terms of their technical prowess and i think no one like like the future of the world that i see is a world where it's like the best of other communities merge with the best of our communities and create N plus one outcomes, right? So when I think about Breaker, Breaker will not be an all black company by definition, right? I wanna go get the best minds in Silicon Valley to come put their muscle into our cultural genius and bring something to the world that the world's never seen. And like, I hate a world where we're operating in, in, in silos. No one wins, white people don't win in operating in silos. Black people don't win operating in silos. Spanish people, Asians, Muslim, like we all need to come together, bro, and put the best of all of our cultures on the table and really create special outcomes. So what would you suggest or advise younger BIPOC, let's say anyone of color, wanting to pursue something in music slash tech in that space? What kind of challenges may they encounter early off and how to create that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you have to really look at any industry that you go into and, like, understand where the power points are and understand where the pain points are. I think many times people come up with ideas and they they create solutions for problems that don't necessarily exist. And I think with Breaker, I think why the world is responding to us this way is because distribution is fundamentally broken, right? It's very manual getting money from people's hands to influencers to promote music. That's a real pain point that everyone experiences. And so like we came in and was like, yo, like we can we can do this better, like, you know, than how it's currently being done. And, and people believed it because it was actually solving a problem. And I think that, you know, when I say music to breakers, books to Amazon, it's like I mean that because he found a specific problem. Books to consumers was a real thing. And he optimized the hell out of it, dude. Like he magically focused on that business for years. I'm going to do that with Breaker. I'm going to win this space because I'm going to care about 
the intersection of influencers and music more than anybody. That's what our differentiation is going to be. And then we will be able to like go expand out in terms of like all the other use cases that you can like do with influencers and artists. And like that becomes like a flywheel that just you can just imagine all the things that you can do with both sides of the market. Like, but like really solving that problem for labels, solving that problem for, you know, for managers, solving that problem for independent artists. Like we want them to be like, yo, it's not even like a question. You have to come to Breaker because that's where you go break music. You know, um, so that's beautiful. And it leads right into the final what's your take that I got. It's essentially on messy middlemen, which you kind of already answered. But essentially, you're you're removing some of the people, the, the steps, essentially. No, Mm-mm. you're not you're not connecting Mm-mm. the artist nah. directly to the influencer. Yeah, I mean, like for independent artists, right? Because like uh, people have to be careful with that whole middleman thing, because I, you know, like, cause like, this is the thing, man, like there are things that human beings do that technology will never be able to do period. Right. Uh, 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 a technology is never going to be able to negotiate for you. <laughs> a technology is never going to be able to create the creative roadmap of your release. Uh, a technology is not going to be able to pick up the phone and be like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Like that's, you're messing my art. So like artist managers are always going to be important. Influencer managers are always going to be important. But where the where breaker comes in, it's not that we're trying to disintermediate anybody from like uh, from from. We're just trying to create efficiencies for them. What does it look like to make a manager more productive managing an artist? That every hour that we can give back to them, that's creative human time that they can put into their talent. Every hour that we save for an influencer manager is another hour that we give back to them to go find another opportunity for their influencer. So it's not that breaker is coming to disintermediate anybody. If anything, and I, and I can just tell you based on what consum- I've talked to artist managers, influencer managers, we're actually helping them. We're giving them tools to be better at what they do. And I think that is a fundamentally different thing. And I like everybody, like, you know, when you start to think about technology is disintermediation, but that's not breakers ethos at all. We work with the ecosystem. We work with everybody. Switzerland. You know what I'm saying? We enable the like facts. So so how do how do artists or labels or managers start getting involved with this? What like what does it cost? Ah, it's a, it's a free market. So it's like if I got an influencer in there that costs ten thousand dollars, then you know, only people who can have ten thousand dollars can pay. If I have an influencer in there that costs ten dollars then like the people who find value in getting $10 worth of value, they pay. It's like Airbnb, you know, anybody can get connected with anybody as long as you can afford or there's a market. So Airbnb in Switzerland is hot. (laughs) What do you believe most young artists can improve on in the early days of marketing their products? Maybe through break or maybe not. Yeah, no, I mean like breakers, not a one shot. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to have a whole plan. You have to hear the song. You got to know what type of audience you want to get it to. You got to know where your strengths are. You got to know all the channels like Breaker, Breaker it, to YouTube, to Facebook ads. Like all of that stuff is a mix that it takes to actually get your stuff out there. Um, influencer marketing is not the whole thing. I think so. That's that's one thing. It's like really mapping out your plan. What's your strategy on the DSPs? You know what I mean? Like what playlists for people are you reaching out to? What bloggers are you reaching out to? You create that that groundswell uh, to get your music and your art out there. And it's authentic. You know what I'm saying? Is it true to you? 
And I think that like, if you know who your audience is and you serve them what they want, and you're constantly thinking about every time you do a campaign on Breaker, like I want to get to the point where we're reminding them like, hey, go like if you got 20 new followers, go go message them. Yo, what's good? Yo, thanks for following me. Welcome to the movement. Like, go check out my link here. Like, don't just like do the transaction, get the new people. Be thoughtful about coming back through and touching those people. And like people don't forget that stuff. So as your star continues to rise, your community becomes the foundation that trampolines you uh, to, to success. And I think the last thing is when you're home, people try to come out and spray and pray all over the country and they didn't even look behind them and realize that they had a whole city they could have put on their back. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis became national phenomenons because they won Seattle. You know what I'm saying? Nipsey won California, LA. Too short. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to win your hometown first. Go to the local dive bars, throw parties, like get out there, host listening sessions, work with the influencers in your city and like that and build out. You know what I'm saying? LA starts to impact Oakland. Oakland starts to impact Seattle. Seattle starts to impact, you know what I mean? Like Detroit impacts Cleveland. Cleveland impacts Kansas City. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like these cultures and these cities are all interwoven. And I think artists that are coming out have to be really intelligent about how their regional strategy is and then what their digital strategy is. And I think if you can nail both of those things, you know, Breaker is just a tool inside of all of that mix, but it's not the only thing. You know what I'm saying? Huge answer, huge answer. Absolutely. With that answer, we will be jumping into our next segment. Our fourth segment today is called Community Queries. Yeah. Here we go. And what this looks like looks like is we've got a couple of fans who actually sent in a couple of questions. So I'm just going to pull them up. Oh, wow. So the first question that we've got is from Major Wave. He's an artist and producer. Hey, this is Major Wave. And my question is, as a new artist who wants to get discovered, what are some of the ways I can get some exposure without breaking the bank? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying. Like, I think a lot of the stuff that we were just kind of hitting on is like, look, like, what are the local influencers that you know? What are the local DJs? Where are they playing? Where are the local spots where you can kind of come pull up and build audience? Um, you know, I think it's funny, man. Like, <laughs> QR codes are a powerful thing. You know, like, what does it look like for you to plaster your city with QR codes? Or like, yo, what is this? You know what I mean? Um, buttons, um, merch. You know what I mean? Like, you can use merchandise sales if you can build a dope enough brand on your merch where you're taking the revenue from that and then putting that into promotion. And then it creates like a flywheel where you're like building a community. The money that's coming from there is like building out the audience and the digital side. Um, so I think just really being creative about your local strategy, win your city, man, in very hacky, creative ways. That's the only way in my mind. Yes. Every time. And it's an, an answer that we get often. So, I mean, you're not the only one saying this, there has to be logic behind mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Thank you, Major Wave. You can find him on Instagram at Major Wave. That's M-A-J-O-R-W-A-V. Our next question is from Pat Dalson. He is a hip bassist, a producer, and an audio boom operator. Hi, my name is Pat Dalson. Uh, the question I have is, how could you differentiate yourself as an artist using this system if everyone's using it and not breaking the bank? Um, and what steps could you possibly recommend to do that? Yeah, no, I mean, look, at, at the end of the day, break, Breaker is not a magic trick. You know what I'm saying? Like, you still have to create high quality music that people want. What Breaker suggests is that, like, okay, now that you've made this amazing art, 
go share it with the world. This is a mechanism to share. The art still has to be high quality. You know what I mean? And so I think that's the first thing that people got to remember that it's not a, you can, you can have 10 pieces of trash that are sent out to a, a million people and one of them be good. The people are going to remember the one that's good. So like, just because other people are now promoting their music more, it doesn't mean that you can't stand out. So I think that's one thing that people have to remember. But then I think the second thing is like, what's your strategy after? It goes back to what we were saying before. Like, what's your, okay, you picked up 20 new followers. The artists on Breaker that are, are winning the most, they, they go build new audience and then they find creative ways to pull them back in, right? They don't, they touch those people. Charlie on a Friday literally went from like 400, 500 followers on Instagram to 4,500 followers on Instagram in five months. And all he's been doing is putting out content consistently every other Friday. He gives them content snippets. And anytime someone new comes into his world and his orbit, he's messaging them. He's engaging with them, treating them like family. He's having conversations. And I think if he just sat back passively and created music and then didn't do any of those other things, I don't think his community would be growing as fast as it is. Right. Um, and so to, to this person, it's like, what are you doing after the campaign is really what's going to differentiate you, I think, in the long run. Very huge, very huge. Once the song is released does not mean the game is over. This is arguably no, the next chapter the, the game is gearing up. Yeah, it's like raising money. It's like, what are you going to do to differentiate Breaker from other competitors? It's like, that's where the strategy comes in. Like, let's go. Everybody got money. Okay, cool. Now what are we going to do? You, it's hand-to-hand combat, just like music. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Final question is from Pentoxia. He is a graphic designer. And the question is, what can you do in order to stop online piracy? Or in other words, is there any measures that can reduce uh, online piracy? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, like, I think there's there are there are solutions like text.com that's really getting good at rights management um breaker for instance like you can't actually promote a song on breaker unless you have been the one to upload it to the dsps so these influencers can't actually promote on our platform for the artist unless the artist has like actually put it into the orbit um of like united masters or distro kid cd baby so i think that's the most important thing just making sure that you're doing putting yourself on these platforms and like protecting your rights um text.com you know that boomy like they're just places where you can kind of stamp the ledger and say this is my song uh uniquely they're not going to let you post anything that that isn't right if they start to have sample infringement stuff they'll tell you and i think that's the biggest thing you can't stop like there you can't stop someone from going to soundcloud to upload something that is a completely knockoff of yours but i think as long as you own the original rights to it if it explodes then you're protected. So I think it's like, don't you build something, put it on SoundCloud and then not like put it up to the DSP because like, then it's like, man, is it his song? Is it not his song? So people taking original sounds and going on SoundCloud without actually double checking, you know what I'm saying? If it's up in the cloud and registered, that's the type of stuff that's just like common sense things that you could protect yourself on. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. That was Pentoxia. He is a graphic designer once again. He is on Instagram at P-E-N-T-O-X-I-A. Beautiful. We are now in our last segment. This is Clear the Air. (laughs) 
in this segment, I'd like you essentially to just bring clarity to these slightly more dense questions. How have your past experiences created the scenario where Breaker was born? Essentially, did your experiences or your time at Acumen and forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, Manats or Manitz, did that influence what you're doing now? everything like and on wall street it taught me how to do the 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 relationship management thing um on on um manat taught me how to do like operations you know um I taught me how to understand and think like an investor um and all of those things kind of helped us raise the money operate this company and and build the relationships necessary to fund it so absolutely life is a culmination of a series of moments and like people have to know that you know you gotta gotta take those steps. It's a stepping stone. Yeah. I was I also I came across this person. He made a post saying that it's better to take a step in a direction than it is to just be sedentary, even if you don't know which direction you're going to. And I say Absolutely. it's even it's even better if you take a, a step in the wrong direction than just being sedentary because not moving is is almost like the equivalent to death. Yeah, of course. At least you're learning from going in the wrong direction. And there there's this movie called um oh zombie the zombie movie world war z and they're like momentias is key <laughs> and like you know that's the only way you like movimiento es vida. yeah momento es vida. like i think that's gonna be like a mantra for my career moving forward momento movimiento es vida. movement is life movement is life and i think that you know, that's one thing Amir did really well. And like Daniel and Protimi, my other co-founders, is like, you know, they never stopped. They just throw on parties, 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 different cities. They tried to start a club that failed. And they were simultaneously building breaker with me. Like, it's like, you know, if you just, it's shots on goal, this life thing. But if you're just sitting still, you're never in the game. So, yeah, you know, so true. So true. There you go. Okay. Enough said. Clear the air on this. You say at the beginning that you've got to spend a lot of time making those relationships, connecting with the people that reach out to you or even follow you, that kind of stuff. But now at your level, when you when you climb up the ranks a little bit more, not that we're going into titles, but what kind of networking do you do now? Does it look different or is it similar? It's a good question. Um, I find myself just wanting to talk to artists all day, man. I find myself wanting to talk to influencers all day, only to get the insights of like how I can serve them better. That takes a lot of my time. And then obviously I have to like network to like, you know, stay connected to the investment world because that's the lifeblood of my business. So it's like a users and users, family and and capital are the things that kind of drive that. There you, go. Okay, awesome. you know what I'm saying? As you spend your time networking with artists, what do you find is a common mistake that young artists will make while networking? Um, I think being too pushy um forcing themselves on people listen to my mix like you know, present facts man if you're dope the art will speak for itself and so it's like most of them don't have the eq in terms of like getting themselves out there but also keeping their swag i think that the ones who can find that balance are the ones that i think take off you know assuming they have talent that in itself is a different skill that one should develop too hey at least you have to allocate energy towards it you have to at least think about it Absolutely. Absolutely. Any final words? Yeah. Um, don't quit. Don't quit. Okay. Beautiful. And we will make sure to include all of the links in the show notes and we will send it off to you for your review before we put it out. Cheers. Thank you so much, Tony. 
Thank you so much, guys. This episode is brought to you by thecharts.com. If you're a producer or beat maker looking to build your beat commerce business in less time, thecharts.com can help. Remember that you can sign up for free and start selling your beats and instrumentals today at thecharts.com. Big shout out to all parties involved. You can find more value at our website at goproduce.ca. Connect with me on Instagram at go.produce. If you're on YouTube, hit subscribe. If you're on Apple or Spotify, make sure to hit download. This will really help us grow our community. I'm Big Lou, and this is Go Produce.